0: If you know you were made for God's glory, can I get an amen? Come on, open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2. All my glorious saints in the house of God. Do you love Jesus? Do you know that Jesus loves you? Are you letting your face know what your heart is feeling? That means you got to put a smile on your face this morning. You can't let the cold get to you. you got to shake yourself up and say, hey, man, I'm Chicago. I'm a Chicagoan. I can take it. Hey, Amen. It's only going to get colder from here. It's only going to get rougher from here. But we can do it. How many are excited about the fall and the winter? Amen. It's here upon us now. Opening up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. We're going through the book of Ephesians verse by verse. verse. And today we're in Ephesians chapter 2 because we're learning about the grace message. Everybody say, the grace message. Today, I want us to uh, stand up. We're going to sing a hymn. Would you put it up uh, for us on the board? Everybody stand up with us. And uh, Andrew, would you put up there the song that we sang with your wife when uh, we went to pray for her? Uh, We're going to believe that Jesus uh, is our answer today. Jared, what was the name of that song? Uh, What a friend friend we have in Jesus. Thank you. And Jared will be leading it out today in the key of C-sharp minor. No, I'm kidding. Like, you know it's hard to be up here. Like, just listen to my voice. I sound like a professional wrestler, you know? (laughs) Snap into a Slim Jim, if anybody remembers those commercials. But I will be leading your hymnal today, you know, and uh, as he's getting this up, the reason why we're doing this is we're reminding ourselves of the faith and grace message of the past. We're we're building our foundation upon the faith of others who have gone before us. And as a contemporary church, oftentimes we forget some of these goodies of the past. So uh, what I want us to do is just sing each one of these verses. It's not really uh, difficult. But as you're singing it, especially some of these parts that may relate to your life, uh, don't just think about yourself. Think about people who maybe a hundred years ago who were dealing with uh, losing their children as infants when medicine wasn't so good for our children, and they were singing this, or people that were fighting for civil rights, and they would go to church and sing this, or for those who are going to war, literally World War I and Two. these would have been the kinds of songs our forefathers would have sung in their most difficult times. If any one of you has a grandparent, somebody that's 70 or older that's alive, these are the kinds of songs they would have sang in church it's only a new thing that we've turned to such modern songs and now it's like the newest one the newest one the newest one they literally had the same songs for hundreds of years so are you all ready for this Okay, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer, singing a little bit louder. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not care. Carry everything to God in prayer. Next verse. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every week. Weakness, take it to the Lord in prayer. Last verse, here we go. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge, take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In His arms He'll take and shield thee. Thou will find a solace there. Give it up for Jesus. Come on, you did it. You may be seated. Man, I mean, you just put yourself in the shoes of those who wrote those songs. They have meaning. You know, when I was reading that part right there where it says, if your friends forsake thee, I wanted to put, like, on Facebook. You know, I get blocked all the time. And it's like, hey, people were always forsaking people back then. It's still happening today. Don't get discouraged. And if you have problems today, bring it to Jesus. The way I look at our lives is every problem is an opportunity for the problem solver to show up and do something great. So let's talk today about the lust of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. When we get to verse 3, I want you to read it with me. I'll start in verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Verse 3 altogether. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desire and thoughts like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath. That's what we'll be talking about today. Understanding the difference between the cravings of our flesh and the spirit of God within us. Moving on to verse 4. I'll continue reading. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. How many saved folk do I have here today? Amen. Thank you. And by God's grace, we have been saved, right? And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Anybody seated in heavenly realms today? Not just seated here in Chicago, but also in heavenly realms. Get ready for that to come alive today. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Right now, we get a touch of heaven on earth. It's like peek-a-boo peek-a-boo. Here's a little bit of heaven. Here's a little bit of glory. Here's a bit of uh, of love that God gives us and we really do our best to show the world, but one day... (sighs) The glory of God is going to fill the earth as the waters fill the sea. Everyone is going to see the light of God in our lives. We are going to be, he said we're the light of the world. Isn't that true? And the Bible says one day they're going to see us as that. They're going to see us as the sons and daughters of our king made in his image. So get ready for the coming ages, for God's grace to be expressed in your life. And then these last powerful verses, 8 and onward. And I hope that you're taking time during the sermon series at least to try to read the book of Ephesians 1 a week, if not just this passage, and while you're reading it, try to commit some parts to memory, and I would say start with verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not by Father Tom. This is not by Bishop so-and-so. This is not by Pastor you-know-who. This is by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. You can even save yourself. We know that uh, people try to fix themselves all the time, and we love these kind of rehab shows and all of this. But you can't rehab yourself. You don't need just a fixer-upper. You need a total renovation from the bottom up. Are you listening? And God is the one who does it. He saves us through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Somebody say, the gift of God. Thank you. Not by works. Not by self-effort. Not by going to church more. Not by reading your Bible more. All of those things are great. But you're not saved more than when Jesus saves you by his grace. You can never be more saved than when Jesus Jesus saves you. So is anybody saved? Is anybody sanctified? And is anybody filled with the Holy Ghost and fire? Amen? You got to know that you know that you're saved. The old timers used to ask each other, do you know that you're saved? Well, then live like it. Amen? And if you're saved, that means you're saved from something. I'm saved from a bad attitude. I'm saved from my old way of thinking. I'm saved from waking up in the morning and letting my feelings dictate the day. I'm saved from needing a cup of coffee to put a pep in my step. Because I got the Holy Ghost to put a pep in my step. Are you all listening? Not by works so that no one can boast. So I'm saved by the gift of God. Verse 10. For we are God's handiwork. In another translation, masterpiece. The pinnacle of God's creation. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So what we need to do is look at this passage now and apply it to our lives. So many good things to get into. So we got to go deep. Somebody say go deep. Thank you. What I want to do now is explain something to you that I think will revolutionize the way you think about your Christian life, the way you look at the, the, the world on the outside and the way you look at the world, the inner world on the inside. Now, when I talk about this, this may be familiar to some of you, but it may be new for others. Then for others, it may see a little bit, seem a little bit different than what you were taught. So listen, whether it's new Whether it's something that's a review or something that's coming in somewhat of a contradiction to what you've been taught. I want everybody to open up their mind and hear these scriptures today and see what God can say. Trust me, I'm learning from this as well. I want to grow in this. Because what Paul talked about there in verse 3 is that there are cravings of the flesh. Look at these first three verses again and understand who you were made to be, body, soul, and spirit. We were just but dust of the earth until God breathed spiritual life and to us, and we weren't just a Casper the ghost, we were a soulical being with a mind, will, and emotions inside that body. Our body is basically our earth suit. When our body dies, we live beyond the death of the body. How many know when you go to the grave, you're not talking to somebody that's there? Can I hear an amen? They're either in heaven or hell. You can honor them, you can put a flower there if you want to, Uh, you can even have a memory of that person, but if you think, I'm going to talk to my relative at that point right there first of all you don't understand anything about the Bible and second of all I feel sorry for you and I don't mean that in a bad way I just do because you need to talk to Jesus are you listening to me he will be there for you so they can't do nothing for you now they are either in heaven or hell and let me help you understand the Bible they're not answering prayers and they're not showing up in the middle of your your bedroom if they do just say Jesus and see how fast they leave okay because demons will come as familiar spirits that's the truth are you listening I worked in New Orleans for over seven years in the French Quarter, and I understand what witchcraft can do, and it will deceive you. Do not believe Aunt Mima or Grandma when she comes into your room at night. Just say, Satanás en el nombre Jesucristo, in Jesus' name. You get out of here, and you'll watch Grandma leave and make a shriek real quick. Because God does not give human souls permission to come back into this realm ever. Not one time. Not one time. Everything in that realm is of witchcraft and demonic power. You may have a dream that God can use to speak uh, uh, through a loved one. You may see them in a dream and they're speaking to you. But I'm talking real spirits in that image are not of God. Can I get an amen? So look at this passage again. This is what we would call the bad news. And that's why if you notice, every one of these uh, messages, I'm always putting the bad news versus the good news because I just couldn't even go verse by verse and just stick it all on the bad news. So if I would have just preached verse 1 and didn't tap into anything else, verse 1 would have been dead in your sins. Come to church and hear that. Uh, verse 2 would have been the ways of the world. Come and hear that. And then today, verse 3, would just be the cravings of your flesh. But how many are glad I've been uh, I've been it, There's a big word. I've been contrasting it with the positive things in the Bible. Amen? You know, it's dead in sin versus alive in Christ. The ways of the world versus the ways of God. The cravings of the flesh versus the desires of the spirit. Are you with me? But consider this right now. This is who you are made in the image of God. This is what God said was the pinnacle of creation. A body with a brain and five senses. The soul with the mind, will, and emotions. And the spirit that he originally breathed in us, but... But when Adam and Eve sinned, they lost the connection to the spirit of God, and the spirit of the age began to be their guidance, their influence. Their GPS was no longer set to the satellite of heaven. It was set to the satellite of the world. And remember, we talked about this. This doesn't mean they were demon-possessed, being a robot controlled by Satan. That's a whole other kind of evil that can happen to people who open their spirit to that. But by default, they were separated from God in relationship, influenced by his flow, by his river, by uh, what I call his morality, his ways, the team spirit of the devil. The mind, will, and emotions, those things are kind of obvious in the brain and five senses. But consider all of that now with these first three verses. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So past Adam and Eve, this is how all of us are born. This is how you're born. You're dead in your body. That's why already children can have sicknesses in their body. The same reason why children die of sickness, as innocent as they are, is the same reason Why I wear glasses today? There's nothing profound about it. There's no mystery. Don't let somebody be like it's a mystery. We'll never understand. No, I understand why children die. It's the same reason why I'm sick in my eyes and I need glasses. Because the body was cursed when Adam and Eve sinned. From that moment, every person that came in their lineage would have a a deficient DNA, and so that's how it is. It is going to be like that until God redeems creation. And not only was the The body cursed. The earth was cursed. And then we see a little bit of that when he talks about the the thorns coming up. But as storms began to gather and he cursed the world through Noah and then the, the rains came down and the fault lines came. I could be here all day explaining to you what happened in Noah's flood, which tilted our world, I actually believe. It took away the greenhouse effect of the garden. I could literally keep you here all day and show you one act of God set our world into natural disaster, and that was the flood of Noah. I believe in a literal global flood and I believe in Noah's Ark and a lot of times people think that's goofy and they say "Oh, what about the dinosaurs? Dinosaurs lived with man. How did he bring them on the ark? He brought them as little babies. Okay, they find dinosaurs with tissue all the time. Do you know that dinosaurs are living right now? Platypus is a dinosaur. Did you know that? Look it up right now. Living dinosaurs. They'll show you on Google. Living dinosaurs. You know that a crocodile is a living dinosaur? There's living dinosaurs. Sharks are living dinosaurs. So all a dinosaur is was a big lizard that we killed and started eating because we got threatened by them. That's what they were. Are you listening? And so the world tries to convince you of this long billions and billions of years through the goo, uh, you know, from the goo through the zoo to you. That's not how it is. You were made in the image of God. The earth is about 6,000 years old, has the appearance of age because God didn't make babies. He made full-grown people. He didn't have them plant trees. He created trees. So the earth is a mature earth. The universe is a mature universe. Stars are mature. Are you listening? So we were born into this world, now that is curse. So we're born dead in our transgressions and sins, but then we go one step further. So I'm not just now a product of Adam and Eve's sin. I'm not just given their curse. I now personally make my own decisions to sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So who is working on those who are disobedient? The spirit of the air. And what's another name for him? Satan or the devil. So the moment we came out of a living relationship with God, we became under the influence of the devil. Now think about it like this. They were naked and knew it not. And it wasn't until God came, God came into the garden that they knew they were naked and ran away and hid, naked and afraid as it were. And see what this teaches us is that the glory of God was their covering. The light that was in their spirit was what covered them. Moses had Moses had a taste of this when he went to get the Ten Commandments because his face glowed literally like a light bulb, Ah, his face glowed. Not a halo, his whole face. Are you listening? And they got so intimidated by it, they said, Moses, put a covering on. We don't even want to see your face because it makes us feel convicted. But that's what we're going to be like in the glory of God. The clothing of righteousness is the glory of God. So it's not like we're going to be you know, kind of like a naked creature where sexuality will be what defines us in our body. Our bodies were meant to be covered with glory. Our glory, uh, the glory of God is our cover. Are you guys tracking with me? And and the Bible says this is going to be our robe of righteousness and the glory of God shining brighter than the sun. This is what we're going to get back. But we had lost it. We knew we were naked. We were afraid. We ran from God. That was Adam and Eve. And then from there, we're now born into this world. We know there's something wrong. Our children don't have to be taught to lie. They have to be taught not to lie. Does everybody get that as a parent? Has anybody taught their children to lie? Well, how did they learn it? How did they learn to be uh, spoiled? How did they learn to be greedy? How did they learn that? They learned that because they followed the ways of the world as a magnet by their flesh. Now, is God merciful to children? Yes. He said the kingdom of God belongs to them. If they were to die, they would go to heaven. And, and we know that with David. David's child died, and then God said to him, he's not coming to you, but you will go to him. So we have a trust and a hope in our God who will always do what's right for those who are innocent. But we now know, those of us in the land of the living with a conscious minds accountable, and we are responsible, responsible for what we do. We've chosen the ways of the world. And the devil's worked on us. How many has the devil worked on before? You know what I'm talking about. Nobody's raising their hand except me. What happened here? How many of you have had the devil work on you? Some people say, well, the devil's working on me over time. Well, you got to fire him. Amen? And so look at verse 3. Here we go now. All of us lived among them, the sinners, those separated from God, at one time. And what was our life motto? What was the mod, uh, the modus operandi, the the motto of our life? Do what thou wilt. I do what makes me happy, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So right here, as a sinful person, this deserves wrath. God does not have to save us. God could leave us to have a body that dies and a soul and a spirit that is eternally separated from him. He could have left us in our naughty nature. Everybody say, naughty nature. See, I was born naughty by nature, and by that nature, I followed the flesh, which is the same thing as the body. The Greek language of the New Testament says the body is the soma. Sometimes you'll see that at spas, soma, and the Greek word for flesh is sarx. They mean the same thing. There's nothing, once again, mysterious about this. It is simply your body. And what we now know through neuroscience is how powerful your brain is, the most powerful organ in your your body is the brain. It is the center of the central nervous system. The brain is capable of producing thoughts, desires. Just for example, you can see how people change in temperature. You start raising the temperature really hot. The body starts sending signals to the brain. The brain and the body start interacting, and you're going to want to get to a more comfortable place. Somebody threatens you. You're going to have an instinct or fight or flight. A lot of anxiety is the wrong triggering of fight. Or flight, they have to teach you to control the ambigula of your brain, to teach your brain not to have to fight or flight. Depression, low cells, uh, low serotonin, these kinds of things. How many know we're sexual beings? Can I get an amen for sexuality? For uh, pheromones and hormones, and women who go through the time of the month know what we're talking about here. Things change, okay? And men go through a sexual peak naturally at a certain time of their life, and then they begin to decline at a certain time of their life. And somebody say, I'm going to say somebody say Viagra, but how many know there's Viagra for a reason? Like, am I preaching up Viagra? I don't know where I was going with that. I was just going to be like, somebody say Viagra. And I was just like, but do you know what I'm talking about? These are all natural to the body. This is a real experience. Your body is not an illusion. You are in the body experiencing it as an it. Everybody say it. Look at the scripture again, following or gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its. Everybody say its. It is an it. It is not you. You are no more your stomach than you are your brain. But your brain and your stomach sends you real signals and you as a solical being make the choice, the free will decision. And let's just make sure you're not an animal of instinct, okay? So No one here is my parrot, right? I haven't forced you to do this for a little bit of seed today, have I? So let us all do this together. Everybody raise their hands, please. Pick one, right or the left, doesn't matter. Now watch. You put it down when you want to. You decide. Now what is that? That is the soul controlling the brain and the body. You are the decider. Without a God in the world, you are only the brain. And the brain then is controlled by chemicals. So basically, you're just a bunch of brain fizz. You're a pop that gets shaken up. Somebody cracks it open. That's your chemicals in the brain. Love is just chemicals in the brain. Anger is just chemical. Your life is an illusion of anything after you die. When you die, it's over, lights out. And everything you do now is subjected to the laws of physics, and it has been predetermined not by a God, not by anybody, a person, but it's predetermined by the laws of nature. Do you believe that's what you are? A machine, a, 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 a mass machine? Do you believe you're just a, a bag of chemicals that's being forced to do things by the brain? The brain made me do it. The brain made me do it. Is that what we say in courts? Well, the brain made me do it, judge. I'm just a brain. I'm just a bunch of chemicals. Shake me up, and that's all that happens. No, we believe even the atheist, is, who says there's no God and he's nothing but a brain, uses his free will to try to convince himself of that and try to convince us of that. He says there's no God and then he lives as if there is a God. The point is, is that you cannot get away from the image of God on the inside of you no matter how hard you try. It would be as if you would try to think about nothing. Can you think about nothing? It's impossible to think about nothing because nothing is no thing. It doesn't exist. And so to try to imagine yourself without a soul, and just being a brain literally takes your soul to do it because a a soulless creature does not think about whether or not they have a brain, hello, or whether or not they have a soul. A soulless creature doesn't think whether or not they have a soul because they can't even contemplate that. Your animal is not looking at itself today in the reflection of its water, your dog going, am I a soul or am I just a brain? Why do I eat the food that I eat? Why does my, No, they don't contemplate life. The fact that you contemplate yourself. Um, uh, Descartes said it like this, I think, therefore I am. He tried to take the most skeptical position. He doubted everything. He doubted the external world. I could, I could be in another world. This could be a dream world. But there was one thing he could not doubt, and that was that he was doubting. The very fact he was doubting proved that there was a doubter, and therefore he had to bring it back to the very fact that I'm thinking means that there's an I am. There's an I am here that is thinking. And so you're more than just your brain. Do not nat- let naturalism, materialism convince you otherwise. You are a spiritual soul in a body, but the bad news, it is a body of death. Somebody say Amen. Now here's the two perspectives that you have as a Christian. As a Christian, you now have two perspectives and these are both okay. I just believe one is better than the other so I put a big red incorrect next to the the one here. But You can be a Christian and believe either one of these. This is very similar to my discussion on panentheism versus dualism. Is God somewhere out here and we're here and he's the visiting God every now and then shooting his lightning bolts of love to us? Or are we in God, in his presence, living with him and in him, as the Bible says, in him we live and move and have our being? And the same thing is here. As a Christian, you're going to have to make a decision. When you were born again, when you were made a new creation, listen to these scriptures real quick. I have them on my introduction. Second Corinthians uh, five seventeen. Therefore, anyone who is in Christ, the new uh, anyone who is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. So once again, it says we're a new creation. The old has gone. The new is here. Second Corinthians five twenty one. He who had no sin became sin for us, so that in him, talking about Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Everybody say a new creation. Everybody say the righteousness of God. Okay, John 3 3 says that you must be born again if you want to inherit the kingdom of God. Ephesians chapter 2 says that you're saved. Okay, so put all this together. I'm a new creation. I'm born of God. Uh, The new has come. I'm the righteousness of God. Now you have a decision to make. Do you believe when you were born again that just your spirit was born again? I'm spiritual. I'm born again. Or do you believe that your spirit and soul was born again? See, this is the difference between many Christians today. They've been wrongly taught, I believe, that they are a Dr. Jekyll and a Mr. Hyde. That there's literally two yous on the inside of you. There's a sinner you now that has always been there and now there's a born again you and these two are fighting against each other and this is called the flesh and the spirit. But that is not what I believe Paul is saying when he talks about us now battling the flesh and the spirit. This is not what I think it is. I think you're soul is spirit as well because remember in the garden of eden we were a body until he breathed in us and then the bible says we became a living soul and i believe as jesus said into my into your hands i commit my spirit that the spirit is life how many believe the spirit is life so i just connected as we understand spirit and soul that you are a spiritual soul so what is the substance of your soul the substance of your soul is spirit what is the substance of your body. It is matter. This is called substance dualism. We believe in two substances of you. One is spiritual and one is physical some try to deny the spiritual. The atheist says you have no spiritual, you're just physical. The weirdy New Age says you're just spiritual, and everything else is just an illusion. No, we believe in substance dualism. There are two real substances that God has created. Spiritual substances, spirit like him, angels are like him, heaven is a spiritual place where he dwells, and then earth and creation, as he made it differently, is a physical creation. And then like I said before, he makes us physically, but he doesn't stop there because that's what he does with animals, physical, physical. But what he does for us is breathe spiritual life into us, a spiritual soul in the image of God that has self-determination, has a mind, a thinking mind, a will to determine things and emotions. Okay, everybody say amen. Just follow along with me here. So you have a decision. Do you think that your mind, will, and emotions are still as lost as a goose in a hail? Storm, or do you believe that when you were born again, spiritually your mind was changed, your will was changed and your emotions was changed. Let's look at Peter. i got to borrow from him a little bit because it's obviously the Word of God, but let's listen to Peter and Paul today. Both of them had something to say about this. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, Peter says this, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart, and heart is synonymous, I believe, with the soul, like love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I believe heart, soul, mind are all speaking of the spiritual soul right there and then strength about the body it's just other ways of saying it heart mind and and uh, soul there okay but watch it, it says you have purified yourselves and then in the actual greek it says you've purified your souls can i just show that to you real quick because i don't want you to take my word for it how many want to see it in the greek y'all are bored already come on shake up your neighbor and say it's getting deep look at this right here. I'll show you in the King James, which a lot of times the King James does very well at taking the literal Greek and turning it into English. Sometimes like how we use here, the New International Version, the NIV, uh, actually complicates some of these Greek words because it takes away the power of them. So here in the NIV, it says you have purified yourselves. And we kind of understand like, okay, I'm a you. So me, I've been purified, like me, myself, and I, or a you. We see it like that. But I think it's easier when you look at yourself as a soul since you have purified your what? See, I think that has a more powerful uh, impartation to the mind, doesn't it? It's like my soul is purified. Because you can sometimes think like, well, you know, sometimes I change and, you you know, the you inside of me has different thoughts. But here it actually says that the you inside of you is a soul and it's been purified by obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love. Now let's go back to this picture. It says, for you have been born again. Everybody say born again. Thank you, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So how was my spiritual soul born again? By the word of God. When I put my faith in the word of God, I was saved, made a new creation, the masterpiece of God, the righteousness of God. The new has come, a new creation. Everybody with me? Okay, now look at his, his second chapter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, now watch this. He says, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which war against your what? So sinful desires war against my purified soul. My soul is purified, my body is not, that's why it still must die, it's subject to the curse, that's why when you're born again you don't instantly get zapped to heaven, you have to live out the rest of the life in this body of death, because it's appointed unto man once to die, then after that to face the judgment, but you are responsible to make this body the temple of the Holy Spirit by being born again in your spiritual soul. Now really quick, why does this matter? Because if you don't think God saved your soul, you're going to keep thinking that there are two you's on the inside of you. There is a bad you, and there is a good you. This is what I am proposing to you pretty clearly from the Scripture, and I hope you believe it. There is one you. You are either a lost, damned, naughty by nature you, or you are a saved, sanctified saint you. Okay? And then anything that contradicts your saved, sanctified mind is coming from that body, that sinful flesh. Hmm. Could that be true, Pastor? Might that be what Paul was saying? That we, before Christ, were by nature objects of God's wrath, following the cravings and the desires of our flesh? Might that be what he was saying? I think that is exactly what he's saying. He also goes on in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24 through 25 to give us the explanation of these things. But let's start in verse 19, and then let's move through it. Somebody say amen. Okay, here we go. The flesh, some may say the flesh, and versus the spirit, some may say the spirit. Thank you. This is what Paul said about the flesh in the book of Galatians. This is what your literal body with your brain and senses will desire. The acts of the flesh, some may say the flesh, are obvious sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, a witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you guys want that? No, but the sinful flesh wants that. When I got saved, the day I got saved, my spiritual soul was saved, but my body remained the same. Is my body still a sexual organ that can be tempted with sexuality through form, uh, through pheromones and hormones? Yes, absolutely. Uh, the body can. You punch a man in the nose. You punch me right here. My my anger, my adrenaline, <laughs> fight or flight. Are you listening? I can be as saved and sanctified as anybody in this world. You punch me in the nose, I'm getting some thoughts coming through my head. Right? Because the same thing, the dog doesn't have a soul, but you kick it, it gets mad, right? See, remember, we're not a dog. We're one step above them, which is a great leap. We're a living soul. So when the brain sends the signals, when the body sends those things, we actually are commanded not to do them. We're commanded to count the flesh as crucified. That's what Paul is saying. So that's the flesh. Now, the flesh is still with the Christian. But remember, I am no more my flesh than I am my stomach. I am no more my brain than I am my left hand. So as a Christian, though, temptation may come via my flesh. How will I be tempted? By my flesh. What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to say, that's not me. That is not who I am. I am born again. I have a new identity in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God. I am a new creation. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Do you see how that changes thinking, thinking right there? My mind is now the mind of Christ. My will is submitted to His will. And my emotions are the fruit of the Spirit. I am living a spiritual life, not a physical, brute, beast, animalistic life. You give a lion a choice between eating meat or vegetables. What's the lion going to eat? Okay, I give a married man a choice between adultery or fidelity. What should the Christian married man choose? Now how can he do that? Because his soul's been saved. He has power on the inside to do all things through Christ. Greater is he that's in him, greater is he that's in him than he that's in the world. Than that spirit of the age that's trying to draw that flesh to sin. Can I hear an amen? What's the fruit of the Spirit? He continues on Galatians uh, 5.22. But the fruit. Now notice there are the acts of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Look at the contrast there. Acts of the flesh are things that you do. It's things that you do. But fruit is what you let happen to you. You let the fruit grow. You let God's fruit grow in your life. The acts of the flesh you have to do. How about this? You are saved by grace. What you let God do. But you're damned by works. The wages of sin is death. Woo, that was mic drop, baby. Oh, man, I hope you all get this. The acts of the flesh are this. The fruit of the Spirit are this. You are saved by grace. Wages of sin is death. Come on. Do you see the contrast? God is saying you have to work your way to hell. You have to act up and fight against me to go to hell, to go to heaven. You just let me save you. You receive a free gift. You let fruit grow. You let fruit grow. But the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is another word for patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now notice the flesh is over here. Galatians 5, 19-21, the Spirit is over here, Galatians 5, 22-23. Now what comes after 23 in math? We go 23, okay, now look right here in the middle, 24 of Galatians chapter 5. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have done what with the flesh? Put it on reality TV and said, I was born this way, made a music video about it. No, they they did what? They gave into it and just said, This comes natural to me. What have those who belong to Christ do? What have those done who belong to Christ Jesus with the flesh? What have they done with it? Crucified it. We count it as dead. I am a living dead man. My body is dying. It's dead and separated from God, but my spirit is alive. So I count my brain and senses dead, and I count my spirit alive with Christ. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its. Am I an it? Come on, am I an it? Y'all don't know if I'm an it. Are you an it? Are you a he, she, or an it? Which one are you? Let's talk to each other right now. Let us let me teach it a little bit. Are you a he, she, or an it? Okay, the Bible's written in the same grammatical ways our, our language works as well. It's an it. Are you an it? So are you your stomach? Is your stomach a he, she, or an it? Is your brain a he, she, or an it? Is your flesh a he, she, or an it? What is your spiritual soul? A he or a she. God made us in his image, male and female. The body reflects a soul in gender. My friends, you are not an it, you are a he or a she living in a physical body. And the Bible says you are to count your flesh, that thing that was dead at the moment Adam and Eve sinned became naked and disconnected from the glory of God. You are to count that flesh with its passions and desires crucified crucified. This is what Jesus meant when he said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. It is the denial of your brain in five senses. The greatest right now... um Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz doing work with OCD patients. One of the best things he teaches them is the exact opposite of naturalism, because now you know they have problems with the psychological world. Now, as a naturalist, because you're just telling them they're basically broken. They're a broken machine, so we'll give you more chemicals. Give you more chemicals. But the breakthroughs, the holistic breakthroughs coming through the mental, uh, 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 the world of medicine for the mental world is coming through doctors saying this. Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz. He's not even a Christian, but listen to me. The first first thing he says, he wrote a book on it, is you're not your brain. The very first thing he teaches them is you're not your brain and OCD patients begin to see breakthrough immediately. Same thing with suicidal and extremely depressed people, you're not your emotions. That's the first thing they teach them. These are deceptive brain signals. These are deceptive brain signals. That is what they call it. And they teach neuroplasticity. Google it. It is the newest thing right now after 60,000 brain scans. I forget the man's name. I have this book. He's not a Christian as well. He had a TED Talk. He said, what I learned after 60,000 brain scans. We have the best brain imaging we've ever had. What is this whole point in TED Talk? We are not our brains, and the brain can change. They used to think the brain was static and that it would always be the way it is, but now they know know it is plastic. It is movable. And what happens is thought and concentration changes the brain. And if you concentrate and put thought towards that which is negative, as the old timers used to say, that is what you're going to do to your brain. And so they don't say to the person, it's your fault, just think positively. They do cognitive therapy with them and help them to reframe the brain. So I don't want to overlook those of you who may be going to doctors. Take your time with them. They're trying to help. But there is a spiritual principle here, and God has always been teaching it to us. You're not your flesh. And when you set your mind on the brain, you set your mind on the sinfulness of the flesh, you change your brain and you live without the presence of God, without the blessing of God, without the fruit of God. But if you practice the presence of God and count your brain crucified, these deceptive messages as lies, the devil is a liar. Now, I want everybody to look up at me here. I grew up in a time where people didn't know this, but they would get woken up in the middle of the night with anxiety or be suffering depression because someone they loved died and they would be praying the devil is a liar i know jesus is on the inside of me devil i bind you that is everything that they teach you to do in neuroscience is speak to yourself tell yourself that's not who you are you are such and such but what is the power of god behind our our cognitive therapy the power of god is the power of transformation not only physically but spiritually That's why we are better than them. They did a survey on Christians. We are less depressed. And tongue-talking Holy Ghost Christians are less depressed than the other Christians because we're more spiritual than they are. And some of you have seen the video I passed around. They did an MRI study on us when we were speaking in tongues. And it was exactly what we described. It wasn't babble. It wasn't something we were making up. It was a euphoric experience distinctly different from the meditating Buddhist and nuns or a babbling. Child, the spiritual gifts are a mystery in the brain. They can see the part functioning there, but it's not the part of language. It's not the part of Babel. It's a part of an emotional experience, but it's not just emotion because it's being spoken with language. And you can listen to the doctor himself. I am not making this up. He said this doesn't fit the category of meditation nor of Babel or prayer. It fits something much more deeper than that like how we would describe love, like how we would describe the most intimate feelings that we have in life, that is what the one speaking in tongues is experiencing because the Bible says build up your faith as you pray in the Spirit. You are changing your mind. You are renewing your mind when you put it towards the things of God. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now look at verse 25. Here it is. Somebody say close it out. out. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is what your life is supposed to look like. Jesus died for you. You count your flesh crucified. You live by the power of the Holy Spirit now on the inside of you. Your spiritual soul, your mind, will, and emotions are reborn. You were created in the righteousness of God. You are holy by the Holy Spirit. You are to believe that this is your walk of faith. This is your fight of faith. What is the flesh? It is your physical body influenced by the brain and its five senses. The things you want to touch, the things you want to taste, the things you want to smell, the things you want to hear, the things like this are the things that the flesh craves after. And God said we all used to give our soul to these things as we were going down the river with the devil, with the spirit of the age. But now it's been crucified. Now we've been set free from the slave master of the devil. There is a new master in town. And he calls us not only his servants, but he calls us his friends. And so we count our flesh crucified with its desires and passions. See, when you know who you are, when you know how God made you to be, you can fulfill the purpose that he has for you. You need to know your God and know yourself. You need to love your God and love yourself in the image he's made you in because how can you then love your neighbor as yourself? You can't give what you don't have. God is asking us. Come on, everybody look up at me, please. God is asking us to believe this today. We're going to get to this passage in Ephesians, but it's going to be my close today in Ephesians chapter 4. Hear how Paul goes from chapter 2, which we just read, remember? You were born dead in your transgressions and sins. When you followed the ways of the world, led by the spirit of the ruler of the age, you, like everyone else, followed the cravings and the desires of your flesh. Then he says, But God, in His mercy and His love, raised us up with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Through faith, not of yourselves. It's the work of God, so no one can boast. We are the workmanship. We are the masterpiece. We are the pinnacle of God's creation, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Now, watch what He says in Ephesians chapter 4. You were taught. He's reminding them, when I was with you boys, when I was with you men and women, brothers and sisters, I taught you this. I'm reminding you in this letter right now. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted once again by its deceitful desires. It's corrupted, but to be made new in the attitude of your mind. I wish I could get an amen. You need to be made new in the attitude of your mind and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness Your new self is a spiritual self created in the image of God, and you are to put it on and to count your flesh dead and to be made new in the attitude of your mind. That is Christian living. The desires of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. When your mind is made new, you're going to have some love flowing through you. You're going to eat the fruit of love. You're going to eat. And I like to think of the fruit because it's not fruits, plural. Fruit of the Spirit as an orange with about nine slivers. You know, you peel an orange and you got nine pieces, but it's one orange. It doesn't say fruits. It says fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is like an orange, and I can get that peace of love. I can get that joy. Come on, how I need some joy, some patience? Thank you, Jesus. You're growing it on the inside of me today. I'm not going to listen to my flesh and traffic today. Amen. I'm not going to follow the Spirit of this age. I'm going to be new in my attitude today. I'm going to have self-control. Anybody need to get some things in control? There is the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, giving you all the control that you need. You just got to let them. So let's go back to it now in closing. What do you want in your life? Do you want what we would call the uh, cravings of the flesh? Do you want to be a creature of instinct, you know? Led along to sin, just like an animal can't choose really between meat or vegetables. The lion will always choose the meat. Is that how you're going to be? Just drug along by sin? I can't help myself. I'm just a sinner. God knows that I can't do anything about. Is that how you're going to live? A slave to sin? Are you going to be a child of God, born again in righteousness and holiness Come on, let's just say the word. I'm so happy. Say it like this. I was created to be like God in true righteousness and true holiness. Let's just pray in closing as the band comes, which is stay where you're at and just close your eyes. Come on. Let's do some meditation as the Bible teaches. We don't need, like I said, yoga pants. We can just have the Holy Spirit take our mind to the new attitudes right now. Oh, hallelujah. With the band and altar workers coming, please, I want to ask you a question. Have you been made new? Have you been born again by the power of God? If you haven't right now, you can do so. Just ask Jesus to come into your heart to forgive you of sins. Admit that you have been a person of creaturely instinct, following your flesh. You have been naughty by your nature. Confess those sins and be born again. Those of us who would say, I I know I'm born again, Pastor. Right now, let's count our flesh crucified. Count it all dead. Everything we put in that flesh side, let's count it dead right now. Let's count every one of those things dead. And if you don't believe it right now, say, Lord, help me to believe. A man cried out to God and said, help me to believe. It's okay to pray that way. But understand how he's going to help you. He's going to do it through the word. Romans ten seventeen. faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hear the word of God this week as you pray and get rid of your doubts. Those of you who don't doubt it, come on, speak it out. Speak it out. I believe I'm free. I believe I am who God said I am. Think about what Jesus said. Those who know the truth. Those who really know the truth, those are my disciples. And the truth shall set you free. When you believe this, this is the truth that sets you free. This is it, my friends. This is your battle of faith. It doesn't get more spookier than this. It doesn't get weirder than this. This is as clear as clear can be. God did not want us to miss this. Be born again, count the flesh as dead, and live by the Spirit few more moments I'm so excited to live by the Spirit Lord help us lead us guide us our thoughts can be tempting because God we're so used to them and we think that they're true because they sound like us but Lord the language of thought as they teach us in neuroscience can be deceptive we can deceive ourselves all we have to do is look at haircuts from when we were in junior high or high school, and we know we have deceived ourselves. Look back at all of our past relationships, and we know, we know we can deceive ourselves. So, Lord, we're not judging something based on if it sounds like us. We're, we're judging thoughts, as the Bible says, whether or not it lines up to your word. And whatever tries to go above your word, around your word, exalting itself higher than that standard, we tear it down and we make it obedient to the things of God. A few more moments. My attitude will be new. Come on, somebody say it and mean it today. My attitude will be new and it will be like you, Jesus. Righteous, holy. Make me the husband you called me to be. Make me the father. Oh, God, may I work on my job and do it as unto you. Even when my flesh gets upset, even when they provoke me, may I count it as crucified. Let all my emotions, come on, everybody, take a deep breath. Let all my emotions be filtered through you today. Let all my words come through the filter of the word of God today. Let me not be angry, Holy Spirit, unless you're angry. Let me not speak a word of judgment unless you spoke the word of judgment. Let me say what you say. Let me do what you do. By the way, as you're going through the emotions right now, I don't believe that God is a Buddhist in emotions. He is not just like one emotion. God gets angry. God gets grieved. God gets sad. God gets happy. You just read the Bible. God shows himself what we call anthropomorphically. He uses human uh, words to describe his emotions. He gets angry. He gets upset. And so you want to filter those through the Lord. See, things that sound similar to this in New Age is like, you just need nothing. You need Zen. That's stupid. That doesn't even exist. What's true is how to manage emotions because you are supposed to be mad in life. There's going to be times you're supposed to get angry, but do it as God were to get angry as Jesus in the temple, right? There's a time to get angry, but there's a time not to get angry when it's natural to you. The Bible says there's an anger of a man that never brings forth the righteousness of God. He'll teach you the difference. Trust me, that's been a lesson I've learned over a few years, but I finally got it. There's a time to be angry and a time not to be. He'll teach you. Come on, ask him. Lord, I filter my emotions through your mind today, through your spirit today. A few more moments. Emotions will will my will to your will right now not my will but your will be done but listen to that listen to this just that come on i got to get deep with you guys 30 more seconds jesus is saying not my will but your will be done but remember he had to choose by his will to say not my will but your will be done somebody's mind just got blown come on does god want us to be robots no he wants us willfully to be obedient do I want my children to be uh, brainwashed and have no will and just do everything? That would break my heart. No, if they only cleaned their room because I brainwashed them, if they only cleaned, uh, the, you know, um, said the right things at the dinner table because I brainwashed them, I w- it would break my heart. I would say I would rather have uh, you be rebellious than to be like that because I, wa- I don't want a robot. But now watch. What's better than rebellion is a rebellious person choosing to be obedient. Robot, rebellion, obedient. Come on, what do you want? I don't want to be a robot. I don't want to be rebellious. Obedient. So my will is to make His will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Come on, pray it through. What are some things that you've been wrestling with? Your will, His will. Your will, His will. And God is saying, I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to make you do this. But you let go and let me, I'll do this thing through you i'll do it with you oh god there's some revelation on that for somebody today i'm sensing marriages in here you know i don't get prophetic often come on but i'm sensing some marriages in here need to hear that you need to submit your will to his will for your marriage help us lord mind will and emotions the attitude of christ oh lord we're about ready to dismiss help us to uh just remember this message that we are not to be creatures of instinct, following the cravings of this world, but we're to live by your Spirit. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can you stand up and give it up for Jesus? Amen. Would you slap your neighbor high five and say, live by the Spirit. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. You are dismissed. Thank you for coming. Come up for prayer if you would like some. We'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, worship. Have a great week. Enjoy life groups. Thank you, Father. This is a good Ephesians prayer. Yes, for raising me up with you. As we leave here today, we're leaving in the presence of God. If you need prayer, come on, we'll love to pray for you. To receive encouragement. God is with us. Lord, I sense what you're doing, God. time. Come on. Thank you, Father. thank you, Father. Yeah. Now, just the jimbe voices. Praise I could never. Christ. I could, I never, could never. never. Just the jimbe voices. Come time. on, because in, in the coming ages. All that is yours that again, cause, cause in the coming ages, all that remains is your Just a few more times, cause in the, yes, all oh, is starting even right now. One more time, yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. Turn it up. Yeah. Come on. Is anybody thankful today? <laughs> yeah!